For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Storytelling inspires, engages, and moves people to action. It's a superpower that anyone can learn. Welcome to Story Powered with your host, Leanne Pico. Stories can hold you back, and stories can move you forward. Let our program help you activate your storytelling superpower and take your business to the next level. Now, here is Leanne Pico. Hello, and welcome to Story Powered. I'm Leanne Pico, your host. Thanks so much for joining us today. I'm really looking forward to today's show. It's going to be so fun. We are talking about finding the funny in our stories. Um, I, you know what? In business storytelling, we can often be so serious, and um, it's important. You know, a lot of times we use story for change management purposes. We use it uh, to engage employees. We use it to engage customers. It's serious business. I get it. However... As humans, we have many emotions. And so, you know, our humor and finding funny things about the world and our lives is is really important. And it's a really, really crucial way to engage people. However, we have to be careful because the kind of humor we bring in and, um, and sometimes people might not find our stories funny. So today's guest is going to help me understand better and help us kind of, we're going to have a great conversation about you know, how to find the funny and utilize it in a way that increases our um, engagement rather than turns people off. Okay, before we get started, though, I wanted to let you know what's coming up in the Story Powered Institute over the next few weeks. So on February 18th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, we have a Q&A with Karen Dietz. She's the author of, or co-author of Business Storytelling for Dummies and also um, the owner of Just Story at the Curation site. Um, it's unplanned open time. So we, we have questions, we have chat, we can, we can have a really good story session. So you can join in on that. And then on March 3rd, we have our book club with Kendall Haven. He's the author of Story Proof and Story Smart. I'm really looking forward to that because, you know, sometimes, you know, when people go, why story? Why does it work? It's nice to have some research and data behind us. So he's going to help us with the science of that, too. So remember that you can sign up for the Story Powered Institute as a story friend for free, or you can check it out as a story fan for $5 for the first 30 days and $10 afterwards. Um, You can just check it out. And uh, as a story fan, you get all the good stuff. You get access to previous events. You get access to current events, things like that. But you know, if you just want to be friends first, that's cool. Come and be friends with me, storypowered.institute. So the other thing I want to let you know is we have an exciting run of shows coming up on Story Powered. Over the next few weeks, I will be taking a bit of a back seat and we will be having some story rock stars be guest hosting in the hot seat for me. So next week we have Karen Dietz will be here. She'll be the guest host. After that, it'll be Sean Callahan. Then it is Claire Taylor. Then Kathy Clotes guest. And a couple weeks after that, Jim Signorelli. So, um, you know, I really wanted to widen out these conversations. And, and I've, got, I've taken on some new things. So I wanted to give an opportunity to have some new voices here. Now, they're not really new because they've all been here and, and hung out with me. And I, um, 
you know, you probably know a lot of them in terms of the story world, but it's well worth listening because they have guests and they're going to have new conversations and talking about different stuff. So I'm really excited and really grateful uh, to those folks for coming and guest hosting. But, um, you know, I'm also really excited about listening. So make sure you you uh, join us for the next few weeks when we have some new voices and some new new topics here. So now, but let's get on with today's show. I feel really uh, privileged to have somebody here who I've been tracking for a little while. We keep missing each other, so I'm really glad that she's here today. We have Kim Whitecamp, and um, Kim speaks and performs to tens of thousands of people a year. She's a storyteller at the top of her craft, and whether the story is tucked into a speech, performed from stage, or used as a tool for learning, one thing is for sure. At the root of all she does, Kim is first and foremost a storyteller. She is keynoted for some of Forbes' most recognized companies and has been the closing speaker for many high-profile charity events, helping organizations reach their financial goals time and time again. For over 18 years, Kim has been helping educators, organizations, and businesses utilize the power of story from behind the desk or in front of it. Um, She's also the owner of a design company, Treehouse Treehouse Artists, and a record label, Road Candy Records. Kim, welcome to Story Powered. Hi, Leanne. Thank you so much for having me. It's so great to have you here. (laughs) So nice. We kept trying. We didn't get there. So it's, it's good to have you here now. I know it is. Thank you. <laughs> so listen, welcome. And um, what's your story? So you obviously you've been working in story and playing with story for a long time. What what brought you to the land of story and, and what do you love about it? Well, it's an interesting path. Um, I was the director for a nonprofit and then the regional director for about 30 nonprofits, all, all within wow. the same field, working with youth and uh, also adjudicated youth and at-risk youth. And I've talked in story my whole life. We all do. But I particularly used it without realizing what I was doing. I used it as a tool. And as I moved into that work with teenagers, uh, I started using applied storytelling and therapy, and I saw the absolute power of it. And I did that for a total of 23 years, and then I left that just because I was exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> I, take, uh, I take things pretty personal, and uh, I loved it, but I was just tired. Yeah. And um, so I took a break for about two years and really kind of boiled my thoughts of my whole life to see what was going to be left once it was boiled down, what could I not live without, and it was story. So I decided to go into the entertainment side of story uh, because I was done with the heavy stuff. Yeah. And I did that for about two to three years, and it was great. It was a wonderful weaning. It was a wonderful break. But when you are called, and I really feel like we're all called to something, I feel like my purpose is to change people's lives, whether it be through their business, their family, personally, or you know whatever it is that they need. Uh, I feel called. That is my purpose to use story to change people. And so I started moving in that direction after taking a break, and uh, the rest is history. I'm, I'm very fortunate. I, um, 60% of what I do, I'd say it's probably actually more 50-50 because the business side keeps taking over, but 50% of what I do is performance storytelling from stage, ticketed audiences all around nice. the continent. But the wow. other 50% is coaching and consulting sometimes, keynoting, closing speeches, working on projects. I've done three-month consulting uh, stints with really large companies, ad agencies from around the world. 
So, oh, that's amazing. That's it's amazing. Wonderful. It's it's so interesting. You and I have a very similar history. Um, I come from nonprofit land as well, uh, and yes. uh, similarly worked with young people. And you know, um, instructions and commands do not work with teenagers. <laughs> so, um, and rightly so. Why should they? I I always felt anyway. Um, so I was similar in you story all the way through. I was a nonprofit leader too. So we have a similar path, but like you, it's, it's kind of, you know, it is a hard path. Um, it's a hard and, path, especially yeah. when you're working with uh, youth who, um, the youth I dealt with came from homes where they were violated or abused. Yes. And, also led the, it led them into criminal behavior, and oh man, it's hard some stuff. Some of the best I, work yeah. I've ever done, but some of the toughest. And, yeah. and after about twenty years, I just I needed to step away and breathe. So. Yeah, I agree. I did it for about five years, and and that was it for me. I I needed to move into something a little different. So, um, but yeah, I, I was similar. I used storytelling as well and narrative um, in in the counseling and. Um, found it a very effective tool. So, so it's really interesting because this is this is what I love so much about story. Because today we're going to talk about humor and finding funny in our stories, but at the same time, it's it's also utilized so effectively as we both have, you know, done so with with in terms of trauma and crisis. It's Absolutely. so versatile. Absolutely, I think I think actually, uh, it's when you find the humor in your trauma or in your negative situations, <laughs> yes. that, it's, that it. it's the sign of healing is coming. I agree. I love that. I love that. And we'll definitely delve into that because I think that that's, um, you know, because the thing is, is that it, there's one thing about, you know, telling stories, but there's a there's an, another whole piece about um, looking at our own and shaping them and, and sharing them. There's a whole process before we actually do the sharing. Right. Right. So, and tell me more. So now, tell me because I think it's really cool. You have a design company and a record label. So, how does a nonprofit? Um, were you an executive director, CEO? Go executive to, director. Executive director. Go from because because I need to know this because it sounds so fun. <laughs> how do you go from being a nonprofit ED to um, having a design company and a record label? Well, I'll tell you what happened. So I got into the entertainment side of storytelling, and there are people who will balk when I say performance or entertainment storytelling, sure. and they're, you know, it's an ancient art, and we shouldn't call it performance. But the bottom right. line is this. Uh, I have people that pay anywhere from 15 to $145 a ticket to come see me perform, and they are expecting to be entertained. They sure Whether are. They make them yeah. cry or laugh. They awesome. are paying good money to sit down and listen and be entertained. So when I came into that world, it wasn't long afterwards that I realized I needed an album. Right. And I needed a CD, you know, an album, a digital album, whatever you want to call it. Yep. And I had a company do the artwork and create my first CD, and I hated it. The recording was weak sounding, and the art was not good at all. I, it was terrible. And then the more I went on the circuit, because I'm on the national circuit, and that happened pretty quick, actually, um, I realized that a lot of other spoken word artists and, you know, storytellers, uh, that their CDs 
really were lacking. They couldn't have sat beside a U2 album at Books a Million or Barnes right. & Nobles. Yeah. It, it would have been blaringly obvious that they were done by a local artist or just maybe done at home. And I thought, this isn't good because if we're going to have storytelling become a mainstream art, which is what is one of the things I'm very passionate about, we have to, tr- we have to wrap it accordingly so. Right. And so for my second CD, I hired my own artists. I created the idea, the design idea. I was with it every step of the way. I worked with the studio, hired my engineers. I handled everything. I didn't let anyone else handle it. But it went really well, and it won an award, and it's one of my best-selling albums. So I was like, well, you know what? I, I've got these artists now, and there's a couple more artists that I knew. And I was like, I might as well make a collective of people and start offering that to other storytellers at a really low price. And so I did, and now eight albums in uh, of my own and over 45 albums that we've done for others, the company's wow. just chucking along, and that doesn't even include website builds and festival posters and T-shirts that we've designed and people we've recorded and produced that have won awards. I mean, uh, I say 75% of all that we produce are award-winning albums because what happened was I thought two or three people would utilize the services, (laughs) and I was surprised. (laughs) So that company (laughs) is only about five years old, and it's going very well. And um, I don't know if I'm allowed to give the website address. Yes, please, of course. It's Treehouse Artists, as like plural, Dot biz, B-I-Z, and we're a green company, and I have amazing artists. And the difference between this company and the one that helped me with my first album is we get story. We get the demographic. We get who it is that's picking up the CDs at the performances, and, and we cater to that. It's, a, it's different. It, it can't look like a rock and roll album, yeah. um, but it needs to look good and slick yes. and interesting and... and gender neutral and all that good stuff, appealing to men and women as well as young and old, because that's who's at our, our shows. So nice. I've really enjoyed it so much. Nice. It's been fun. I and love I, it. Yeah, and I, I kind of can run all that from the road, plus I have um, people in the office that do a lot of that now. That's fantastic. And you know what I love about it, too, is the um, you're kind of creating your, your own story as you go along. And that is Aren't such a fun way of approaching life. Oh, yeah, it's the only way to approach life. <laughs> I agree. I agree. That's so fun. It was funny when you said I needed an album because um, it resonated with me because I was the same. I was like, I need a radio show. <laughs> I, I had no idea I was going to have a radio show, but all of a sudden I, I just decided I needed one. So it's, yeah. it's, it's funny how thing. those moments hit us, right? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's pretty stuff. fun. And I think it's great that you're helping other storytellers get their uh, their word out as well. Um, like you say, I think it's interesting in storytelling because this is why I love it. Like I said, it's versatile. Um, but when we get caught up on labeling it, um, right. like you say, like some people don't like it being called performance storytelling, but it is, and that's okay. That's a different kind of storytelling than other folks engage in. And then we have business storytelling, which some people really don't like either. <laughs> so it's kind of, you know, for me, I think it's, I like how you're approaching this, which is it, it's expansive. I, I personally believe story will, and I am on a mission for it to take over the world because it creates a better world. So um, it's okay for there to be lots of different kinds of storytelling, I think. Oh, I agree. As a matter of fact, I have a firm belief that storytelling 
in general, the general term is like a wheel. And the hub of that wheel, the very hub that holds everything together, is the storytelling that is done mother to child before bed or father to daughter before walking down the aisle or sisters on the phone at the end of the day or college roommates talking late at night or grandfather to grandson or boss to employee about an experience. That's the hub of storytelling. It's what is done every single day because it is woven into the DNA of who we are as humans. But out of that hub, of that wheel, are many, many beautiful spokes. There's interpretive dance, which to me is storytelling. Mm -hmm. There is the art of sign language, which is storytelling. There is business storytelling, performance storytelling, spoken words, slam, poetry. And any time we feel threatened by a new spoke on the wheel, we don't understand what story really is. And if you feel threatened, it's because you're weak in an area. So anytime someone is threatened by a new form of storytelling, I first think to myself, is there really not enough room? Of course there is. Number two, if it is art, truly art, like we want people to see it, who are we to box it in? Because the beauty of art is to not be boxed in. And the third thing is if you are threatened by an art form moving into your wheel, then you really don't know who you are in your art. Nice. I love it. And then I would also say the other part of it is, I mean, we go around saying that it's about, you know, story is being human. And so why would we box it in? Because humans are, are so richly different and varied. Uh, Because otherwise, why don't we would just be robots, but you know, story has to be as fluid as, as humanity is. So I love that. I love the, the visualization of the, of the wheel. That's a really great well, Ian, way to look at I it. Well, big bucks, you know. Yay! No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's nice to move from a world of the not-so-big big bucks. <laughs> that's, that, that's the kind of story I'm glad to hear today. People do yeah. get... <laughs> But, you know, and it's also the thing is, like you said, it's, um, you know, the piece and we're, we got uh, just a little bit till break and I wanted to lead into our topic, which is, you know, like, like you said earlier, the piece around story is because, and that fluidity applies to our emotional experiences too. Um, so, which is why I really wanted to do this show with you today, because we do tend to spend a lot of time talking about story in a very serious way. So I think it's great to, to like lighten, up, lighten it up and, and think about how humor can help us heal as humans, too. Wonderful. I'm looking yeah. forward to talking about that. Me, too. Me, too. So what we'll do is we'll just uh, take a little break right now. After the break, we're going to keep talking to Kim Whitecamp. And um, as she said, her. can you tell us the website again for Treehouse Artists, Kim? Yeah, Treehouse Artists is um, Treehouse artists, plural, dot biz, B-I-Z. Yeah, and your website is www.kimwhitecamp, W-E-I-T-K-A-M-P dot com, right? And you can, yeah, and you can just Google, Google, Google Kim is funny dot com. Kim is funny dot com works too. It's much easier than spelling. Oh, I love it. that. I love that. That tells a story in itself. Awesome. Well, it just makes it easy. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so don't forget, come back after the break. We're going to talk about humor and finding the funny in your own stories and, and how to share those and um, maybe talk a little bit about appropriateness of humor too. Um, don't forget to come hang out with me 
as be my story friend at the storypowered.institute. We'll be back in just a sec. I'm Leanne Picot, and you're listening to Story Powered on the Voice America Business Channel. See you soon. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Activate and grow your storytelling superpower with Leanne Pico of Very Good Stories. Stories inspire, stories engage, and stories move people to action. It's pretty powerful stuff. Story coach Leanne Pico will help you develop your storytelling skills to be a more effective leader, build a more powerful brand, or create a team of storytelling powerhouses. You can email Leanne at leanne at verygoodstories.com. Or check out her website at verygoodstories.com. Contact Leanne today to grow your storytelling superpower. If you're interested in gaining strategies to be more successful both at work and your personal life, check out Turn the Page with host Hemda Mizrahi. It's all about building new habits and perspectives. The show helps you identify the changes you need to make that align with your values and priorities. And then, apply these principles to your career, health, social life, and other areas. These are proven techniques that work. Turn the Page airs live Fridays at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. Effective leadership is what will propel the world, organizations, and businesses through a range of dynamic changes. How do you keep up with these changes, build skills, and lead effectively? Listen for Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf. Maureen offers tools and engaging guests who are leaders in their field. With each week, you'll work on and improve your skills to lead with confidence and drive your organization's success. Tune in every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Story Powered with Leanne Pico. If you want to find out more about Leanne or the program, connect with us on the web at verygoodstories.com. Now, back to Story Powered. Hello, welcome back. I'm Liam Pico, your host, and today I am chatting with Kim Whitecamp. And Kim and I, uh, before the break, we're talking about her story and um, interesting alignments with my story in terms of starting in the nonprofit sector. And um, Kim worked for many years, and I did for uh, a number of years with youth and hearing their hard stories and and um, uh, you know it, it it when you work in in a field where um, you hear the hard stories all day. There's a there's an interesting that thing that happens because uh, I I know um, when I was working in mental health work we always talked about ourselves as the crazies. Um, you end up having a very weird sense of humor about the stuff that's happening and and you kind of do it as a reflex and as a way of kind of lightening things. Um, well, it's a survival technique. Survival technique it's, for no, it's sure. Really- like psychologically, yeah. it's a survival technique. Yes. Because if you can't take and look at it sideways and find some humor in it, it will drive you crazy when you're de- like it, it will drive you to the breaking point, dealing with really profound, uh, horrible situations. And Absolutely. so it truly is a survivor's technique. As a matter of fact, 
um, police, they will see uh, uh, a dead body or witness, you know, the end result of a suicide, or and they come back to the offices and make jokes that are horrific if anyone would hear them. But what it is is it's a survival technique because if they didn't have that pressure release in that really bizarre, almost dark humor, it would ruin them as human beings. So it's, it's actually truly psychologically a survival technique, the humor. It is, yeah. Yeah. Well, and also even in organizations, because again, you know, we may not be talking about, and you know, in companies and and uh, nonprofits that don't work with with the really dark side of things. Um, what we still have in organizations is hard stuff, and often it's oh, dynamics yeah. or leadership or something. So that's why we wanted to talk a little bit today about finding the funniness in in our stories because um like you say kim it's a survival mechanism but can we get ahead of it and utilize it as an engagement tool so why do you think humor is important in storytelling well um i believe it's important because you know when i had back surgery they didn't just wheel me in and open me up and do the surgery there was a whole anesthetic that happened before that right. anesthesia and when I've had dental work, they just don't say, say ah, and they'll go in and work. There is uh, Novocaine given. And it's the same way with humor. Uh, when I have to give a presentation or a keynote speech or <laughs> when I'm brought into a conference and I'm the, um, either the opener or the closer, which tends to be the normal with possibly a breakout session or two, uh, I'm always. I always ask, "What is the negative information they're going to get? Are their fleets being decreased? Uh, is our bonuses being cut? Uh, are our libraries being shut? Give me that information because I want to know when they're going to get it. Because my job then is to buoy them, and through humor, that's possible. Is by by even addressing that straight out to them if they've already received that information, and then turning that." It really becomes uh, a way for them to kind of start to overcome it. But oh, I love um, that. So humor is so important because, uh, just like I said, with with whether it's surgery or or, or dental work, there's there's always something to help lighten. Um, I mean, kind of numb the pain, and uh, humor does that. It breaks down the defense between you and your audience, whoever that may be, whether it's CEOs or marketing directors or grant writers or whatever it is, advertising agency people. It, it really can break that down. They have to be careful, of course, not to cross certain lines, and we can talk about that later. But it does, and it, it, what it does is it breaks, breaks things down, which allows them to trust me, because who am I? I'm not working for any of these companies that I speak to, and I have no prior relationship with my audience. And so why should they trust me? Uh, it's a way to, to endear yourself to them, especially self-deprecating humor. Yes. That they relax into their seat, all of their physical body language changes, and the judgmental uh, behavior stops, and then you can give them the meat, the teaching, or whatever it is that you want to impart to them, that you've been hired to impart to them. And so it does break down defenses, but especially if you're going to be giving uh, information that is tough, humor is so wonderful, and in everything I do, I give tough information. Every time I take a stage, whether it's with 7,000 people or a room of 50 CEOs, they're going to get some tough information. And it could just be that they're not doing their jobs, although I'd never put it in that form. 
or it could be that the company's shifting, or it could be that I'm performing and I'm doing a piece about the loss of a child. And to get them to where I'm going to cut them deep, you know, just like surgery, I'm going to cut them deep at some point in my 30-minute to two-hour, you know, presentation or performance. Well, how rude of me to just drag them into that. Yeah. In everything we deal with where there's going to be a deep cut in pain, there's usually some kind of painkiller given in the beginning, and humor does that. It, it, it allows them to relax, and when the hard stuff comes, they, it's amazing how they swallow it because yeah. I've prepped them of sorts in the pre-operating room with humor up front, which totally takes them to a beautiful place to receive the, the goods per se, you know, the nugget within the story that I'm going to give them. Um, so, you know, for nice. instance, I'll give you an example if you want one. Yes, please. That'd be great. Okay. This is a really simple one. This is an easy one. It was a little gig. 300 cafeteria ladies. And I say ladies because it's 99.9% female-driven <laughs> occupation. Is, yeah. And so I knew these women were together for a three-day conference And I thought they are going to be looking at their program thinking, why the heck did they hire a storyteller to give the opening speech for our conference? (laughs) She has no school nutrition background. She has training or education in school nutrition. She's never walked in our shoes. And I call that the anti-story. You know, before I walk in anywhere, I think to myself, what is the anti-story here that I have to overcome so that they'll listen to what I have to say? Nice. And I knew that was the Andy story, so I did three months of loose um, studying and questioning and interviewing of cafeteria people. And I came up with some really funny jokes that would only work with those people. And I can tell you 100%, I, I came out, was introduced, it was very polite clapping. I started out, I eased in to the funny, and that was about eight minutes long. By the time I got them there, they were ready to listen to anything I said. And then I went into the paternal uh, power of food and serving it and how their job is so much more. Well, at the end of my 30 minutes, every person in that room stood up and applauded me. But Mm -hmm. I'm mature enough in what I do to know they weren't giving me a standing ovation. They were just inspired. Yes. And it wasn't for me. It was more or less you can just, when anybody stands and applauds, it's because of what they felt internally, and I was a vehicle, but it's really not towards me. And I know that I closed down the anti-story right in their minds. Why is she here? The minute I started into that funny stuff, they knew I knew something about cafeteria work because of the jokes. And oh, then I also great. relaxed them. Well, it doesn't matter what she knows because we like her. Right. So when it came to give, giving them the crux of what I needed to tell them, which, you know, during conference calls I was told what they wanted them to walk away with, they received it with open arms and tears, tears in their eyes. There was a, a line of people afterwards that wanted to talk to me. It's, a, it's an amazing thing when humor is used appropriately uh, in speeches or in giving information. Nice. Now, so we're talking about speeches and, and the work you're doing in terms of, you know, the whether you're a keynote or whether you're, um, you know, part of a, a conference. What do you think in terms of why is it important to use humor in that um, day-to-day leadership storytelling? Well, one, it makes you approachable. Yeah. That's the first thing. Yeah. It totally makes you approachable. 
um, people want to listen because it's proven that in the human psyche, if they think there are funny things coming, they actually are less tired and they lean in to listen better because they're waiting for the funny. 35% of most humans think funny, right? Oh, is that right? That's cool. Yep. 65% don't. Okay. But that 65% loves it because they don't think that way. It's like, it's like digging in the earth and finding a gold coin when they're sitting listening to somebody that's funny. Every yeah. time a funny comes up, they just laugh, sometimes out of shock because they don't think that way. The other 35% who is funny can sometimes be smug because they think you're not as funny as they are, but they're still <laughs> wanting to hear it because they like funny and they think funny. Right. And so when you, when you use humor in your day-to-day, in your managing or directing of whatever it is that you do, um, obviously, you don't want to be personal. You don't want to demean. You don't want to poke fun, right? Did, yeah. you don't, none of that. That's, That's, right. That's right. It'll have the reverse effect. But yeah. if you can use humor in a good-natured way, people want to be near you. They want to talk to you. They want to have lunch with you. They trust you to tell you when things are happening that maybe you would never find out otherwise that could affect the flow of work within your business, agency, organization. Yeah. And it also lets them see that you see things from a different perspective, which is very important. Yeah. And so there's so many reasons why it is good to hone your sense of humor as a leader. It's very important. But to also know those invisible lines that it can turn on you. Yes, it can. And now the other thing, so um, one of the things that I, uh, and, you know, we talked a little bit about it before, um, but I want to dig into a little bit. So when people are leaders or when they're entrepreneurs or running a business, um, so when we're out in the world, um, sometimes I think we think that we have to appear like we know it all. So we have to look like an expert. Uh, we don't want to show weakness. And in some companies, there's a culture there around that. Not that we can do anything about that. Um, but, you know, in terms of honing your sense of humor, and this is what I found for myself, is I am funnier as I grow older and more, and more um, diligent about tackling the negative stories in my life or the stories I tell myself and once I've done that then I can be humorous about it so I'm just thinking about people you know how do we get over our insecurity about ourselves to be funny enough to engage someone else because again it's not about jokes like there's jokes are important and again but often the humor that we're talking about is is about um you know like you say being self-deprecating or or um, being sharp about seeing something and, and making a, a, a witty comment about it. How do you hone it if you're feeling, like how do you get through the insecurity to get to the place where you, you're not, you don't feel bad about your stories, you're, you're working through them so that you can be humorous about them? Well, one of the things I want to say uh, to address what you were talking about in the very beginning part of that comment is that to walk around and feel like you have to act like you know it all is the most ridiculous thing because everyone <laughs> you work with is human and they yeah. know that no one knows it all. Right. We all know it's that very, it's not true. It's good. It's That's a good point. Key. It's the very first key to stopping <laughs> yeah. that behavior and unlocking uh, relief as a leader is that nobody knows it all. Right. Now, granted, as a leader, you are supposed to know a little more than everybody else. That's why you got the job, hopefully. But um, you also can gain followers. And when I say followers uh, within the workforce, uh, I don't mean that in a wrong way. I mean 
even if the company restructures and their pay goes down. They're going to stay because Steve is the best boss because uh, he's honest and he's real. And he's even told me stories uh, that show to me that he's made some of the same mistakes I made when he first started. And I know he cares about me and, uh, and, and is, is willing to be forgiving and teach me because he was, you know, forgiven and taught as well. You know, it, it's just making yourself human. It's the first thing, you know, to walk around like you know everything is so absolutely ridiculous because there's not one human being on earth that knows everything. So why are you trying? The minute you relax into that, there's a relief that comes and you, and you relax. And there's nothing better than a relaxed leader because that's truly the way we should wear our power is in a very relaxed way. I agree. That's when people say, I will work for this guy even though I was offered a little more money here. I'm going to work for this woman. I'm not taking that job because they don't use their power like a cattle prod. They don't wear it on their head like a crown. They wear it as a very loose mantle, and I feel comfortable with them. I believe they believe in me, and they are also really good at what they do, but humble enough to say they don't know everything. Absolutely. And I, yeah, and I think out of those kind of relationships, the humor flows easy. But humor, like anything else, practice makes perfect. doesn't matter what it is. We all know that. Yeah. Um, you know, practice makes perfect. I mean, they, there's a whole book out, you know, is it prodigy or is it practice? Some people are born with an innate skill that comes naturally, but a lot of it is just practice. And so if you practice humor, uh, it'll start going from sounding scripted to flowing like it's second nature. I agree. And it's about choosing a culture where, I mean, that's the other thing. And just going back to the the piece around people who are funny and people who like funny, um, you know, culture plays into it as well. Because I lived in Britain for 15 years. And so I honed my my humor to an extent that when I came back to Canada, people kind of go, I'm not sure. Are you joking? Or I I can't tell. (laughs) So, you know, even in companies, there's a culture, right? There's a culture in companies which leaders create and that if they are not able to be humorous and human, then it's hard for other people to be themselves. Absolutely. Well, you know, it's hard for them to be human. Yeah. And that, that then ends up in stress. It doesn't matter how hard they work or how well they do, they feel like they're not quite fitting because they can't be their self. So right. then they leave. Yeah. Or they stay and it's not funny anymore, right? No. Like it's, it's never funny again uh, if you have folks who stay way too long in a culture that's, that's not um, enabling them to be human. Right. Yeah, and that's where, and that's what I mean about you know we we you know you and I both worked in in areas of crisis, but I have to tell you that I would rather have spent my time there than in in some of these corporate environments because I would have that would have killed me off in terms right. of um, not being able to be myself and be caring about other people. Um, so I think choosing a culture and, and finding the humor in the actual business as well is 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 really a key piece. And like you say, not just, uh, you know, there's a survival part of that in, in really hard stuff, but there's also a kind of day-to-day utilization of humor as a way to um, get and using funny stories to get a, get away from or move past the, the continual hard stuff. Right. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Well, we're going to take a little break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about the how. How do we tell stories that are humorous? And and how do we move our business objectives forward with humor? And then we'll also dig into um, 
uh, and Kim talked a little bit about it already, but, you know, what's not funny and, and where the line is and what we have to be careful of in our humor. So um, don't forget that you can connect with Kim at kimwhitecamp.com or Google her at Kim is funny. Um, and also, you know, come hang out with me in the Story Powered Institute, storypowered.institute, be my story friend. We'll be back in just a sec. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Activate and grow your storytelling superpower with Leanne Pico of Very Good Stories. Stories inspire, stories engage, and stories move people to action. It's pretty powerful stuff. Story coach Leanne Pico will help you develop your storytelling skills to be a more effective leader, build a more powerful brand, or create a team of storytelling powerhouses. You can email Leanne at leanne at verygoodstories.com or check out her website at verygoodstories.com. Contact Leanne today to grow your storytelling superpower. If you want to learn how to be a better leader, increase your level of business performance, and motivate your team and organization more effectively, listen for Performing at Your Best, Mindset Evolution with Luis Vicente Garcia. Luis Vicente and his guests will share their expertise and enthusiasm in helping you to succeed. It's combining that drive with business skills that will do just that. Tune in live every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Listening to Story Powered with Leanne Pico. If you want to find out more about Leanne or the program, connect with us on the web at verygoodstories.com. Now, back to Story Powered. Hello, welcome back. I'm Leanne Pico, and I am talking today with Kim Whitecamp. We're having a nice chat just during the break about Canada and, and what a lovely country it is, so I love it here. Um, but we're just saying, you know, I was just saying the humor, is, and it's interesting, every country you go to, and that's the other part about storytelling too, is be adaptive in your storytelling and, and understand that your humor, um, it's different culturally. People find different things funny. So it's a really interesting uh, context when we think, like, for example, in Canada, we have very, very multicultural workplaces. And, um, and uh, you know, if you're traveling across the world and delivering speeches or working with teams, it's something interesting to pay attention to, that the humor may not travel with you. So be be aware of that. But it, but now we're getting into the house. We're going to talk a little bit. So, Kim, so how do we tell stories that are humorous? Um, but also move ourselves forward, whether a leader or an entrepreneur. What, what, there's a, I think there's a sweet spot where humor lives in business maybe 
to kind of advance us, do you think, in storytelling? Or but what would I be your usual, what would you normally that, say? Yeah, I don't think you tell a funny story. I think yeah. you tell a story that has moments of humor in it. Right. And there's a difference there, you know. There's a difference. So tell us and, the difference. And taking what you have to say and or whatever story you're using to get across a point and finding the places of humor in it. And here's the thing. If, if you're not good at that, it never hurts to take what you have written out. I'm specifically looking at presentations, keynotes, speeches, or even in a small room of engineers when someone has to give uh, a report, right? And using an outside source to find the funny places and to point them out to you and say, right here, you really need something funny. You know, or right here, this is funny. To you, it's not because you're in the forest and can't see the trees, but that's really funny. It doesn't hurt to do that. And everybody knows somebody who's funny, really funny. Or everybody has seen someone who's really funny that they can say, look, you know, I'll pay you blank amount of money to just kind of look over this presentation, speech, story that I'm working to use within my management training. Can you help me out here? Because I'm just not finding the funny. Because they may be one of the 65% that don't think funny. So, I mean, isn't that what we do in business, that when we can't do something, there's somebody that does it? So why not in this? And then you adapt that and adopt it into your story and make it your own. Uh, Or even when they point out a glaringly obvious funny thing, right, Uh, you take and you you work that. But, uh, you know, if humor does come natural to you, you're ahead of the game. But, you know, funny stories, you know, you, you have to be careful because if it's all funny, you can be taken as not serious. And there needs to be very serious moments. And so I think the key is finding the funny moments and and placing them at the right spots, usually at the beginning, or when you feel a pressure happening. Um, If you are needing to train or give company information that, that you can just feel in the room, or you can even feel as you're going over what you're going to share that there's going to be a moment of pressure that needs a release valve, that is a beautiful spot to kind of take a breath, look down, chuckle, look up, and say, blankety, blank, blank, blank. And everybody laughs a little nervously, but they're like, thank you for giving us a breather because that was all pretty heavy. You know, I do that in my performances when I'm telling stories that have more serious topics. You can feel the pressure in the room. Now, I do it enough that I know beforehand exactly where I need to put the release valves. And it also happens, uh, I mean, I just taught, I just, I just did a three-hour training, I don't want to name the company, um, for a large region of sales managers, and I knew somewhat of what I needed to train them in because I was told that there were some issues, and I knew exactly where in that presentation I was going to interject some things about myself or even um, one of the things I did was even recognize one of the issues, um, and I just spoke it. Yeah. And then I said, come on, do we not know that this is happening? And they all laughed. Yeah. Because they do. Why hide it? And we had a good chuckle, and I said, okay, so then moving forward, and this is not going to be an issue. Let me tell you how I can help you. And then I, I went into the training aspect, and simple. It can be so simple. Humor can be so simple because 
people react out of humor, not out of their intellect. They react out of their emotion. Yeah. And everybody has emotion. They you do, know. and I think they also have, um, you know, in, when we think about stories as well, and I love the idea of getting somebody to help kind of feedback whether something's funny or help find the funny with you, because, um, you know, I I often find um, in my leadership or, or when I'm working with clients that I, I'm able to find a, a, a story that is humorous related to the serious topic at hand, that releases the valve. Or, like you say, it gives them an indication that I understand what they're going through. So, again, it might be a funny story, but it's couched in a serious... So I like how you've said that, because the, the end goal is not to tell the funny story. The end goal is to connect with your audience so they can hear the serious stuff you're going to talk about, right? and in part exactly yeah so that's the piece where again it's it's purposeful and and that's again that's what I love about story is because we can and people say to me all the time oh I don't really have that many stories like oh my goodness you've thousands and thousands you've got so many you can't see them so you know that finding of a a funny time where you've and I, I always talk to people about going to the feeling in the room so if there's a feeling of nervousness Find a funny story about being nervous uh, right. again. By uh, when I was nervous, so that I'm the one not being laughed at, but being laughed with. Possibly being laughed at. I'm good with that too. But <laughs> that's a really good technique too, right? Is to find where people are at and and put yourself there with them, and then take them out with humor. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a nice journey. Now, what do we need to avoid? We talked a little bit about it earlier. So there's well, there's, need, so there's a there's type a of humor things. we have to be careful of, right? Yeah. Being funny is definitely a risk. Yeah. I mean, there's a risk with it because sometimes people who are dealing with personal things in their own life can crack a joke that is not funny at all, yeah. but they're speaking out of their own emotional state at the moment. And I've seen that when I've been at conferences and somebody's nervous, and they're trying to be funny, and they didn't prepare appropriately, and they speak out of their own emotional state, and everybody just is kind of like, oh, that's awkward. So you want to be really careful that when you're pulling humor out, even to interject it into a performance story or into a business speech or into a training, that it's funny. Know your target audience, you know. Know your target audience. Um, You know, a, a leader making a joke about buying something recently and how it's going to be tough for them to buy it now that the company's restructured, that's not funny. No, that's right. You see what I mean? Yeah, so being yeah. funny is a risk, and it's a very powerful tool, just like story is. Um, and so you have to be really careful to know the target audience. Make sure the humor fits. Yeah. Make sure the humor fits. Make sure you're not speaking out of your own emotional state of unhealth. Because in every human's life, they're fighting a battle, period. I've dealt with human beings for, how old am I, for 30 years. I've dealt in the world of humankind, and everyone's fighting a battle on some level in their life. All I need to do is have coffee with them for 30 minutes, and I can get it out of them. It's just because of my background, and you understand that because we both do counseling. And so you want to make sure, as the presenter, that you're not speaking out of that place of unhealth in your life. Just make sure because it can come across as bitter or, or doesn't fit. 
um, making fun is yes. one of the biggest things. Oh, my goodness. It can be fun of yourself is great, right? Yeah. Um, I, okay, here's an example. <laughs> I had to give a keynote speech to a room full, about 400 female lawyers, all highly educated, politically active, and I'm thinking, geez, they are going to be so uptight. They're going to all be trying to look better and, and sound better and, you know, than the next person because they were coming from all over. They didn't know each other. And I thought they just, I want them to relax. How can I make them relax? And I would never do this, obviously, if there was a man in the room. But I got up and I said, you know, I, I came in from Seattle and I'm really happy to be here. I really believe in what you guys are doing and putting story more into what you do and your work. And, and I can promise you it means a lot to me. I said, because I even put Spanx on today. <laughs> and nice. they are cutting into my kidneys. And so I love you enough to be here, even though my kidneys, I'm putting my kidneys at risk. I'm not kidding. <laughs> nice. This stoic, stoic room just <laughs> lost it because we're yeah. all women. They yes. get it. And yeah. they just, I had them because nice. they realized, oh, my gosh, there's no pretense here. Yeah, right? and, and we know each other well. And, and the whole yeah. conference had a feeling of pretense. Yeah. And so after that one joke, I just moved into what I needed to do, and I was okay. And they totally listened. They were all smiling. And now, obviously, that's kind of a silly joke, and there may be people who don't even know what Spanx are, but they can Google it. And, uh, but it's a simple way, you know, in that case, especially because it's a room full of powerful women, I can do a joke like that. Obviously, I wouldn't do that in mixed company. But... Poking fun at yourself is always pretty safe. Yeah. Um, but even with that, Leanne, you can get really nasty yes. if you have wounds. And that's, that's again, don't speak out of the dysfunctional emotions in your life because we all have yeah. them. And, don't and that's what I always people. tell people. Yeah, that's what I always tell people when you're telling their stories. You must have overcome it. It must be passed. You must be able to say, I have overcome this because otherwise you're still in it, whether you're telling a humorous story or not. And like you say, in terms of making fun of other people as well, like, and that's where, again, I think it's the importance of purposeful. You know, what is your purpose here? So yours was to help them relax. It might be to yeah. connect. But if it's just to be funny, to be noted, uh, we can, like if we're making fun of someone else in any way, it can come or making a joke which seemingly is about us, but it's actually about somebody else, you know, that passive-aggressive behavior. Mm. Oh, yeah, out of the, out of the heart, the worst. the mouth speak. Yes, it's the worst. True. And it falls flat because people can tell, because we're human and we can tell. We, we know um, when, when people are being disingenuous right. in their humor as well. But here's another uh, flag with humor, and that's keep it clean. If you keep yeah. it clean... You have no chance of offending anybody. Yeah. yeah. But if you decide to walk that line of blue-collar humor, you risk the chance of alienating a percentage of your group, and whether it's 1% or 40%, why would you do that when the whole point is to connect and impart? That's right. So anything around race, gender, poverty, oh, stuff like that, you stay away from. Stay away from. Yeah. It's not funny. It's not funny at any time. So, yeah. well, listen, thank you, Kim. This was so great to talk to you today. And I, unfortunately, we're already at the end of the show, and I feel it like we could so talk quick. for another hour. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. It was so fun to have you here. Oh, it's been totally my pleasure, Leanne. I, I'd have a cup of coffee with you any day. Absolutely. We'll have to get together. So now remember, you can get, um, you can find Kim at um, Kim is funny. Google that, or also at her. Um, 
website, her design studio website, treehouseartist.com. So again, thanks so much to Kim Whitecamp. It was really great to find the funny with you today. Um, so like I said, look forward to the next couple weeks when we have, or next few weeks when we have some guest hosts. You'll be able to hear from uh, Karen Dietz next week, and she will have a guest. Uh, it's David Hutchins, so you don't want to miss that one. He's the author of Circle of the Nine Muses. So you don't want to miss that chat. And then after that, it's Sean Callahan from Australia, also with David Hutchins, talking about something totally different. So really great story chat coming up. And don't forget to come hang out with me in the Story Powered Institute, storypowered.institute. Come on, be my story friend. Story Powered is on every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks for joining me, Liam Pico and Story Powered. I'll see you next week with more story. Thank you for joining us this week for Story Powered. Leanne Pico invites you to tune in for another engaging program next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll help take your story and your business to the next level. We'll be right back.